Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to the All American Brit Podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I am your host, Johnny McEwen. Today is Tuesday, June 15th, and this week in sport, the top golfers get ready to take on Tory Pines in the US Open. The NBA playoff series are heating up, but first, the UEFA European Championships have begun. Here we are in the summer of 2021, but it's still called Euro 2020 because this tournament was supposed to be played last summer. If you listen to the first ever episode of this podcast, you'll know that my love of sport started with supporting and following the England national team and watching these international tournaments. So even though it was delayed, I couldn't be happier to be watching England and watching the Euros. There have been some amazing matches so far, but we'll start, of course, with England. They are in a group along with Croatia, Czech Republic and Scotland. The first match of the tournament for England would be a rematch of the 2018 World Cup semi-final with Croatia. Definitely the toughest other team in our group. I actually was playing a golf tournament this weekend and I had to be at the course at 6.30 in the morning and the match started at 6am. So I was listening to the first half of the match in on the radio in my car and at one point I let out just a pure guttural, come on England, that even startled myself at 6.07 in the morning. England played a solid first half. Phil Foden very nearly had a goal in the opening minutes, hitting the post and just ricocheting out instead of it could have very easily clipped into the back of the net. But then in the 57th minute, Raheem Sterling put one in the back of the net off an incredible run from Leeds player Calvin Phillips, or as I just found out his nickname, the Yorkshire Perlow, which is just fantastic. This was a huge match for England, not just to defeat the team that we played in the semi-final in the 2018 World Cup, but to start a Euros with a win. England has never won their first match in a Euro tournament in 10 attempts. I wasn't born the last time England won their first match at a Euros. And when you win your first match in these group stages, it really sets up for a strong move and a potential, lots of potential paths for a move through the group stages. If you don't understand how the tournament works, there are three matches played within a group. The two best teams from each group then move on to the round of 16. What I find really interesting about this England squad is that if this tournament were played last summer when it was supposed to, a lot of these players might not have been there. Mason Mount, 22-year-old midfielder for Chelsea. Mount very well may have been in the 2020 squad, but he might not have been starting. But after this year with Chelsea proving himself as a leader and the Blues winning a Champions League final... Mount became an unquestionable starter. Yorkshire Perlow, Calvin Phillips. If the tournament were played when it was supposed to, Leeds wouldn't have played in the Premier League yet, meaning Phillips wouldn't have had that stage to prove his talent to manager Gareth Southgate and have the potential to be in this squad at all. Really exciting to be an England football fan, but it's also very hard to be an England football fan. For years, we've put an insane amount of pressure on the national team, even when we know the team's not that good compared to the rest of the field. Watching all of the matches so far, we look like one of the best squads in the tournament. So pressure is on and England will play Scotland on Friday and the Czech Republic next Tuesday. Scotland are playing in their first major tournament since 1998 and in their first Euros since 1988. Scotland qualified on the backs of some of their really great young talent on their squad. Defender Andy Robertson, Arsenal's Kieran Tierney, midfielders from Man United's Scott McTominay and Chelsea's Billy Gilmore. 
They lost their first match to the Czech Republic 2-0, but will still be a tough matchup for England, particularly when the two teams clash at Wembley Stadium. There'll be tons of England fans there, and I imagine a strong Scottish fan base at Wembley as well. One of the interesting points of note about this tournament is that there's no real host city. Matches have been played across Europe, and the talk of home field advantage has been in play. England will play a significant amount of matches at home and potentially play a semi-final and a final at Wembley. The final will be held at Wembley in England regardless of who plays in it. There were murmurs coming out of the Croatian locker and Croatian team that it's unfair that England get to play so many matches at home, but this is the case for lots of different teams. Italy played their first match against Turkey in Rome. Spain played just last night in Seville. So I don't think there's anything unfair about home field advantage. It's how this tournament was always squared up to play. This was always going to be a factor. And I think it adds a really interesting foil that these teams, these national teams are playing in their major cities with their fan bases. there, able to take it in. It adds to the pressure of the moment, adds to the majesty of the moment. Raheem Sterling, as a kid, grew up just a couple of blocks away from Wembley Stadium. And now he's scored for the first time in a major tournament just around the corner from his home. It's all a bit late to complain about home field advantage now as the tournament was always planned to be set up this way. So I, I see no unfair playing field because of this factor. This is just a part of the tournament and teams are going to have to deal with the fact that home fans are going to be a factor in this tournament. Some other matches of note. Sweden put on an absolute defensive display yesterday against Spain. This young Spanish team showed a ton of skill, but they never looked like they had the talent to finish in these scoring opportunities. Good couple of saves from the Swedish keeper Olsen, and this was the only scoreless game so far in the tournament, but you couldn't say it was a boring match. Really, really interesting to watch, and Sweden will be really happy with the draw there. Slovakia upset Poland in their first match. Superstar striker Lewandowski was just a complete non-factor for Poland, and they went down to 10 men. Slovakia really made them pay. 2-1 the final. The Netherlands and the Ukraine put on a show on Sunday, 3-2 with the Netherlands getting the win on the day. They went 2-0 up and then the Ukraine caught them sleeping and tied it up very quickly. But in the 85th minute, Dutch defender Humphrey smashed it into the back of the net with a header that gave the Dutch the win in Amsterdam. Another national team with huge expectations is Belgium. Tons of stars on this team. They secured their first win against Russia. Soundly, a 3-0 win. Keep an eye on this Belgian team. I see them going really far this year. Kevin De Bruyne was not playing in the first match, but looks to play in the second. They've got a lot of stars. Eden Hazard, his brother Torgan Hazard as well. Striker Romelu Lukaku. Dries Mertens. Real Madrid's keeper, Thibaut Courtois. This is a superstar team and a generational team that Belgium has really high hopes for. And the tournament kicked off with the first match coming from the Olympic Stadium in Rome, where Italy had a decisive 3-0 victory over Turkey. But the biggest story that came out of the Euros didn't have to do with a football result or a match. It was actually that of the health of Denmark's star midfielder, Christian Eriksen. Really scary moment in the first half in their match against Finland. The ball was out for a throw-in. The ball was thrown in to Stenmark star Christian when he collapsed face-first on the field and seemed to be unconscious. Medical rushed to Ericsson and began performing CPR. His teammates formed a human shield around him, circling Ericsson so that the cameras and fans in attendance at the stadium wouldn't see the medical team working on Ericsson. He was rushed to the hospital and news came out 
later in the day that he was stable. The Danish Football Association has released a statement saying that Eriksson suffered cardiac arrest but is now in a stable condition. He communicated with his teammates shortly after the incident happened from the hospital and an hour after play was suspended, play resumed. Denmark and Finland retook the field and finished out the last couple of minutes of the first half took a five-minute halftime and then began the, the second half. Finland did score and won the match 1-0. It showed an incredible amount of courage for the players to go back out on the field after witnessing such a harrowing moment. And it is such a relief to the entire football world that Christian Eriksen is stable and all right. I know I echo the thoughts of many that hope for a speedy recovery for the Danish midfielder. Group stages will continue through the week and lots of exciting international football to come and you'll be hearing about it here on the All-American Brit podcast. Tons of exciting action in the NBA, and let's start with what happened last night. A huge win for the Clippers at Staples Center over the Utah Jazz. Utah were favorites going into the series, best record in the West, and a ton of young talent headed up by Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. The Jazz's point guard, however, Mike Connolly, has been a non-factor. Injury has kept him out and off the floor for the Jazz. The two squared up last night at Staples Center, Utah with a two-game-to-one lead over the Clippers. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard had huge nights, both scoring 31 points, and at one point, LA had a 30-point lead over Utah. The series is now tied at two games each, and the next couple of games I think will be must-watch. Really exciting semi-final series in the West. The winner of this series will have a huge test, however, in the conference finals against the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix dealt with the Lakers in the first series and then dominated the Denver Nuggets, sweeping them in four games. I think Phoenix will be the favorites over both the Jazz or the Clippers, but it'll be a heck of a series to get to the finals. And now to the East, where things have tightened up between Brooklyn and Milwaukee. After the James Harden trade, Brooklyn were the instant favourites to go to the finals, but now they're really going to have their work cut out for them. James Harden is out with injury, and now Kyrie Irving is also out with injury and will not play in Game 5. It's such a shame to see this team hurt. When they put these three together, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, it's the biggest power three potentially in NBA history. But they might not be able to make any history if they're not able to all be on the floor and healthy at the same time. Plus, they are facing a hungry Milwaukee team. The Bucks have underperformed in the last couple of playoffs, and they have one of the best players in the league in Giannis and Tedekumpo, but they've struggled to win these key matches and come up in the clutch. Pivotal Game 5 tonight will be interesting to see how this one shakes out. And to last night, the Atlanta Hawks continue to impress. They tied the series up last night with a three-point win over the best team in the East, the Philadelphia 76ers. 103-100 the final in a nail-biting finish. Either team could have gotten the win last night. Back and forth, final moments. Joel Embiid went 0-12 in the second half. Philadelphia's key player being such a non-factor left the door open for Atlanta. They were able to get the win. Trey Young is just performing on the national stage and continues to make the basketball world take notice. The two will go at it tomorrow night in another pivotal Game 5 in the East. I think without Kyrie and James Harden, 
the Nets might not be able to have enough firepower against Milwaukee. I'm saying Milwaukee is going to win the series and Atlanta is going to win the series. So two upsets in the East are my predictions. And I think the Clippers just hang on and beat the Jazz. But man, it's going to be a tough test against Phoenix. Those are my picks. Those are my predictions. Tons of exciting basketball to look forward to. Bucks, Nets tonight, and Clippers, Jazz, and Hawks, 76ers tomorrow. The USGA is ready to crown their 2021 major champion. US Open begins this Thursday at Torrey Pines in San Diego. It's the first time since 2008 that the tournament will be held at Torrey. Tiger Woods, of course, won in 2008. I want to highlight some of the golfers that I think will be big factors this week. There's no better story in golf right now than Phil Mickelson. Phil is just off of winning his PGA Championship, making him the oldest major champion in golf history. And Phil feels like he's had a breakthrough in his game and he's been working really hard on it and feels he has a great opportunity to keep winning and performing at the highest level. The spotlight always burns bright on Phil Mickelson because he's one of the game's biggest names and biggest stars with one of the best resumes in the sport. 45 PGA Tour victories, Masters champion, PGA champion, British Open champion. As of just a few weeks ago, now the oldest major champion in history. But the US Open has eluded Phil his entire career. Phil has been runner-up second place in this tournament six different times. 99, 2002, 2004, 2006, 2009, and 2013. He has never won a US Open. And you can turn the lights up even brighter on Phil because Torrey Pines is essentially the lefty's backyard. San Diego is Phil's hometown, and he's been playing Torrey since he was a teenager, competing in junior tournaments there. A lot of attention is going to be put on Phil in this lead-up, and Phil knows that there's a lot of expectation and potential pressure that he could put on himself. Phil spent the last couple of weeks at Torrey and says that he's been relearning the golf course since its redesign. He hopes that this continued focus and benefits that he's seeing in his game will play to his advantage and he'll be able to have a late run in the weekend. I hope for the best for Phil. I hope he's in the hunt on Sunday. And after this improbable win at the PGA, maybe after all this time, he can finally capture the major that he's been chasing his whole career. Phil Mickelson... U.S. Open 2021 winner be an incredible story. And now for one of the tougher stories in golf, John Rahm will play in the U.S. Open. Rahm played in the Memorial Tournament just a few weeks ago, known as Jack's Place. Jack Nicklaus plays host to the Memorial Tournament, played at his own course design in Dublin, Ohio. On Saturday at the Memorial, John Rahm caught fire. He had a hole-in-one, and then he made like nine birdies in his Saturday round. He had a six-shot lead over the field, entering the round on Sunday. But after he finished off on the 18th green, he was approached by PGA Tour officials who delivered terrible news to the Spaniard. He tested positive for coronavirus. Rahm would have to follow PGA Tour protocol, withdraw from the event, and go into quarantine. This was just such 
a huge blow to Rom, and you could see it. The way it played out on TV was dramatic and confusing and strange. Nobody knew what was going on. Rom was suddenly in tears on the 18th, and then the report came out that he had been in contact tracing. He had been around somebody who had been positive. They'd been testing him continually, and Rom eventually did test positive for COVID himself. The tournament carried on on Sunday without Rom, and Patrick Cantlay ended up being the winner at 13-under. Rahm had finished his Saturday round at 18 under. Even with an additional 18 holes, nobody could come close to what Rahm had posted just on Saturday after three rounds. John was courteous and admirable throughout this whole process, congratulating Cantelay, and it remained incredibly professional and understanding throughout the whole situation. He's now been cleared and been given the green light to compete in the US Open. And if he plays anything like he did on Saturday at the Memorial, Rahm will certainly be one of the favourites to win on Sunday. His best finish in a major came in the 2019 US Open when he finished tied for third. Best of luck and glad to see that John Rahm will be competing in San Diego this week. Dustin Johnson, the world-ranked number one golfer, has struggled at the majors this year, missing the cuts at both the Masters and the PGA. It'll be interesting to see if his struggles continue or if DJ, the number one in the world, can be a factor this weekend. And just underneath him, the number two, Justin Thomas, will certainly be on the radar of many. Winner at this year's Players and a PGA champion of the past, but he'll hope to beat his best eighth place finish this week at Torrey. Hideki Matsuyama will also be in San Diego. This year's Master Champion is always a threat with his consistent play. And Xander Schauffele, always a threat at the majors as well, will hope to break through as he's playing on his home course. Schauffele is a San Diego native. And finally, I want to talk about one of the biggest characters of this week, which is the golf course itself. Torrey Pines is a stop on the PGA Tour. These guys play it every year, but it's played at a different time of year during the PGA Tour schedule. This course is definitely going to set up different than it does in February and will be a true US Open test. It is a fantastic golf course looking forward to seeing the world's best compete on the biggest stage the u.s open begins this thursday and now to something that's slightly sport related i just want to make a point to say that today is june 15th and today, the majority of COVID precautions are lifted here in the city of Los Angeles. I know it's been different all around the country and all around the world as to guidelines, social distancing guidelines, mask mandates, whatever else. But this marks a huge change for our city today. Dodger Stadium will open at full capacity for the first time since 2019 tonight. The last 16 months have been strange and challenging for many. But it feels like slowly we're coming out the other side of it. And today is a big marker on that, at least where I live. And I hope that as we get back to some sort of sense of normal life in the next couple of weeks, we do it with care and gratitude for others. Here's to us opening safely and getting back to doing the things that we love. Being with our friends, being with our family, and of course, enjoying live sport. So to all, I say stay safe, be merry. And for the All-American Brit Podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network, I am always your host, Johnny McEwen. And until next time, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.